Warning, the following video contains material that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to History of a Haunting. Dun, dun, dun. Content warning. Um, uh, the reason we have a content warning on this one, you guys, is because we actually, for our YouTube viewers, we are going to be showing um, pictures of actual human bodies on Mount Everest. So um, that can be traumatizing to some folks. So just so you know, those are coming up. <laughs> and we're going to ease you into them because they get worse the further we go. Uh so yeah, uh, how are you, Laura? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Good, mm -hmm. good, good, good. Um, I have no updates. We just recorded on Friday, so not a whole lot has happened yeah. since then. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty relaxing. Sorry, my cat is doing something, and now I don't know what he's doing. He just came in here. I was like, behave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Doesn't sound very relaxing. What's going on? Um, cool, man. Mm -mm. No, not he's cool. Very into getting into stuff. I don't know what he's doing, but he's fine. All right. So if you hear a little something crash, we know what happened. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. um, EVPs. I only have the one reminder. We just launched uh, today our little snack size episodes. Laura kicked it off with a great uh, Dublin whiskey fire of 1875, and it is doing really, really well. Folks like it. Um, yeah. yeah, they're a lot of fun. Just yeah. fun little stories. Yeah. Um, I know I've enjoyed writing, writing mine, and mm -hmm. coming too. up with more ideas too. There's so many, so it's really fun. So many, yeah. I mean, even mm -hmm. if you just Google weird true stories, it's just a wave of information. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do next. Um, my next one that I'm going to do is is nine kinds of fucked. Yes. Absolutely yeah. awful. <laughs> it's really awful. So we probably have a content nice. warning for that one too. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're doing really well. So everything. I mean, kind of, yeah. Um, everybody loves the ones that we do warnings about before we talk about the story. They all love them. Those are our most popular episodes, so. Yeah, everybody loves the grizzly. The grizzly. Dark. Mm -hmm. The scary. Scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, no, you really can't. We've got some grizzly today in this episode, so. A um, little bit. Yeah. Little that's bit. that's all I have for EVPs. Do you have anything? No. No? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Okay, well, we're, you know, not doing our usual 20 minutes of bullshit before the show starts. So let's just get right into it, Laura. Tell them where we're taking them today. Well, today we are going to the Mount Everest death zone. Wee! That sounds Yay. so exciting. <laughs> uh, what are your sources? <laughs> uh, my sources for today are allthatsinteresting.com, cnn.com, ranker.com, outsideonline.com, and climbernews.com. Yeah. Okay. Also, I fixed your name. It's thanks. Yeah, I fixed your name. Um, my mom and I were watching the the Chupacabra, and she wanted to see the your first um, your whiskey. 
vampire story. And oh, yeah. she, I'm like, I can't stop looking at her name. It's bugging me so bad. I have to fix that for the next episode. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Yeah. You're always... No, that was me. She was... She didn't know. She was like, I ain't looking at her name. Yeah. Um, I know who she is. It's fine. I know who she is. Yeah. So... She's my... She's my... One of my daughters. It's fine. Um, Yeah. So I I fixed your name. I mean, that was like the first thing I did when I got this all set up for today. So anyway. All right. Mount Everest Death Zone. I bet you guys didn't know that it was haunted, but... You should have, because, <laughs> damn. <laughs> There's a lot of fucked up shit that's happened. Lots. And I'm going to tell you all about it. All right, let's settle in. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Thrill us. Or depress us. Whatever you've got yeah, planned. Yeah, something. I don't know if thrill is the right word, but yeah, something. Okay. So, um, so Mount Everest uh, holds the impressive title of the tallest mountain in the world, as most of us know. Um, but it is also known as a, and it also has another title. Um, that most people don't know, and that it's the world's largest open-air graveyard. Didn't know that, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since 1953, when Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay scaled the summit for the first time, over 4,000 people have followed in their footsteps. Wow. Braving the harsh climate and dangerous terrain for a few moments of glory. Some of them, however, never left the mountain. Um, the top portion of the mountain, roughly everything above 26,000 feet, is known as the death zone. Yes, I have a picture. Hang on. All right. There you go. Okay, go on. Right. So there, the oxygen levels are only at a third of what they are at sea level, and the barometric pressure causes weight to feel 10 times heavier. The combination of the two makes climbers feel sluggish, disoriented, and fatigued, and can cause extreme distress on organs. For this reason, climbers don't usually last more than 48 hours in this area. So, so the higher you... Okay, sorry. I was going to say, so they have to have 48 hours to go from where it says 8,000 meters, summit, and then back down below the 8,000 meters in 48 Actually, hours? That's, or no, they need to do it in less, usually. Oh, if They shit. take more than... Um, I think it was like, if you see somebody, it took them like, like 17 hours to summit, they're usually not going to make it down. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Okay. So when they leave base camp four, um, which is like right at that, right just below that death zone level. Oh, okay. Um, when they get prepared to make the summit, um, they need to do it as quickly as possible. Holy shit. Because they do take oxygen, but you can't carry that much, obviously, because we just talked about how, how, um, things are how heavier. It is on your body already, right? Yeah. So you don't want any more weight, obviously. Right. You're going through some precarious terrain i'm sure <laughs> to yeah to describe it lightly um so yes they have to go up and down as quickly as possible wow okay the longer it takes the less likely that they'll make it back out of the death zone holy so, shit okay yeah the higher you go up a mountain the less oxygen is there right so sure um because there's less air pressure so in most cities and populated area around 20 percent of the air we breathe is made up of oxygen at around 6,000 meters or 19,000 feet, this drops to about 10%. Okay. And above around 8,000 meters, it drops, which is 26,000 feet, it drops under 8%. Okay. So that is not enough oxygen to feed the body. So climbers can acclimatize to lower oxygen levels 
Um, and there are even communities like much of Nepal that regularly live at over 4,000 meters. Sure. Okay. Right. But at around that 8,000, um, that's when you have hypoxia. So oxygen. Mm. Okay. Deficiency. So that's what happens when they enter the death zone. Um, they are dying. They're basically, you're actively dying of hypoxia. God, Jesus. Who, whose idea was this episode? <laughs> I don't know. It's mine. So without supplemental I'm oxygen, it's impossible to survive very long, but it can be done. Mm. So hypoxia causes the lungs to work overtime. Um, it causes massive heart rate increases and your blood thickens. Your eyesight becomes blurry with headaches, nausea, and dizziness are pretty much guaranteed. And apparently about 32% of climbers that reach 7,500 meters experience hallucinations on their journey. I wonder if I have that. <laughs> you just have this sea I level. Think, I, think, I know. Seriously, we're at 335 feet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I mean, I might have it. I don't have it, guys. I'm just trying to... Right. It's about to get yeah. real gnarly, so I'm just trying <laughs> to be funny. <laughs> so, uh, where was it? Okay, the hallucination. So, um, in order to... Um, well, okay. It, the, out, <laughs> the altitude sickness, it includes loss of brain function and confusion, as well as vomiting. And there are studies that say mountaineering actually causes brain damage permanent brain damage because of the lack of oxygen makes sense yeah right sometimes um at that point climbers suffer from extreme confusion and start to take off their clothes sure yes gloves are commonly thrown off and sometimes climbers expose their skin to the weather they seem to be experiencing heat from the cold that creates a burning sensation and if they're doing that then death soon follows we discussed this in the diatla pass episode right we discussed it's one of the levels that's possible yeah. of hypothermia right yeah exactly. okay okay so as of january 2021 305 people have died while attempting to climb mount everest as of the 2021 majority, as of yeah 2021 january jesus so the majority of the dead are still on the mountain some of the bodies have never been found and some serve as grim markers along the route yeah and some are only exposed years later when the weather changes. Yeah. So as of... Here's a map of the deaths on it. I think. Okay. There. Yeah. So you were saying which base camp is... For. It's supposed oh, to be like where like they right come down. There. That it's... Yeah. Well, and they can get help there too, right? So it's, it's okay. further down. Um, good times. Great times. We always bring the sunshine here on History of a Haunting. We really do. So. Okay, so some of the bodies aren't, they they aren't discovered until the weather changes and like the snow melts kind of a thing. Yeah. Or the winds move, you know, the winds change, there's ice melts. Yeah. Things break off. Then, oh, there's a body. So. Okay. <laughs> again, as of January 2021, there have been 10,184 successful summits of Everest. Um. And some people have made it multiple times, so that makes it about five thousand seven hundred thirty-nine individuals. And that was kind of, that info was from the Himalayan database. Wow. Okay. So, though the amount of people that have died on the mountain is large, it works out to um, about a three percent death rate for Everest Everest summits. 
That means about one in 33 summits end in death. If we go by individuals, it means about a 5% death rate, meaning for every 20 people that have summited Everest, one person has died. Okay. And do these include the Sherpas? Because, so if you look at the map, like the red dots that are going up are the local, Mm -hmm. are Sherpas, the local staff death. And then the gray dots mostly at the top are the expedition, the climbers. Yeah. And they, it should, I believe it should for a long time. They didn't even consider Mm. the Sherpa that also went up with, um, Edmund, whatever his name was, right? The guy that first summited it is they weren't never gave him credit, but now obviously we everybody does now. Oh, good. Anyway, yeah. well, yeah. So that's why I said his name Tengze. I don't remember now. <gasps> Made me feel bad. Wait I'm a like, minute. I don't remember either their names, but anyway, the two guys that actually made oh. it at the top. So before it was all, they gave all credit to the Englishman, and and really they should have. In... I'm sure he would not have made it without the Sherpa. So. In fifty three. Yes. Those guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. um the bodies like can't be removed um, because it's just too hard at that level. So even the fittest, most experienced mountaineer with the most support and the best equipment isn't guaranteed to make it to, this, to the top or even get back from a failed attempt. Yeah. Bringing, a body, uh, bringing back a body requires coordination from a team with very good conditions and can cost between forty dollars to $80,000. Holy shit. Yeah, we've got a picture of one. Um... Here's where they start, guys. So if you don't want to see it, switch to the audio version of this episode because we're, like I said, we're just easing you in. Right. So it, it and for bodies like that, when they're, it looks like they fell or it's a place where you can't even get to, they, mm-hmm. there's absolutely no way that they can do it. Yeah. Um, which I was, I was just about to say, um, sometimes because of the body location, it's going to be impossible mm-hmm. um, because um, it, it would take too long or they're under compacted snow and ice. Some bodies have gone over the edges or on rock faces or snow bakes or are in areas that have never been seen or walked on. Um, there have been a few notable attempts and successful recoveries of bodies from Everest. Um, many believe it is the right thing to do, and sometimes relatives, guide companies, or governments have funded the work. Um, the body of Gutam Gosh is a story that, of one body that was successfully removed by a team Mm. Um, but instead of bringing the bodies back down, it is common to either move them out of sight or push them over the side of the mountain. Some climbers specifically wanted their bodies to be left on the mountain if they died. Some attempts to recover bodies on Everest have been blocked by the climber's family for that reason. Right. So in the past few years, because of rising temperatures in the area, many older dead bodies have started to reappear. Those are mainly in the Kumbu Icefall. However, more horrifying are the bodies appearing scattered around Camp 4 and just above, where most potential climbers will rest before their big summit push. Okay. So, <laughs> again, that's uh, once you get there, that above that is the death zone. Um, it's called Ever- Everest Graveyard. It's also known as Rainbow Valley for the brightly colored mountaineering suits of the bodies. Like Mr. Green Boots. Right. I forget what picture I was on. We'll look at him again. Yeah, he's the he's probably the most famous. The one. most famous one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are many ways that people die on Everest. Um, a large amount are unknown because the climber just disappeared. Um, obviously, the altitude sickness, 
Um, if they sure. become too ill or exhausted to continue, and that means staying in one place and they use up all the available oxygen and then they'll eventually just, you know, succumb to the elements and their body will shut down. Yeah. Um, there's heart attacks, you know, caused by the incredible strain, even if you're a very healthy young climber. Yeah. Um, there have been avalanches and falls, of course, um, that can lead to being buried under the snow. Um, and that leads to death by asphyxiation. Sure. Um, there are also crevices in Everest. So a crevice on there is a hidden crack in the underlying layer of ice. The foundation ice oh. on the jury is buried in snow. And if a climber falls in without a guide rope or rescue option, they can't be retrieved. Um, the crevices on Everest are generally very large and out in the open. And at certain points, this is crazy. I can't, <laughs> I saw a picture of people doing this. I'm like, no motherfucking way. <laughs> so what they do, there's like a, a big crevice in the mountain. Okay. And they put a ladder over it. Oh, God. And kind of secure it. And then they walk across the ladder. To get. And they have to balance across it. So that obviously doesn't always work. So. There is nothing I want so much in the world right. to experience that I would be willing to do any of this. I have to say, these people are quite remarkable. Ambitious. Yeah, yeah. quite remarkable. And again, if you even get like, you know, a broken bone and anything, you're, you're basically fucked. So it, if you go slightly off the path or slip, um, like on the Hillary step at the top, that can lead to long falls or fast slides. Um, and if you fall in an area where others can't follow or you can't get back, then that's fatal. Um, and the Kumbu Icefall is one of the most dangerous parts of attempting Everest and has claimed many lives. Um, and it's only a short trek from base camp, but the ever-changing icefall is very different from much of the rest of the journey. So. so Mount Everest, I think when I was looking at the map, let me find the map picture again. It It borders... It's on, let me see if I, if this is on here between yeah, Nepal and China. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think there's one face of the mountain that's more dangerous than the other. Like, I think this one that the map is showing is like the easier side and yeah, the North Nepalese side of that. Most people, I'm pretty sure you can only summit from that side, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, you can because then there's the north ridge that you can, the northeast east oh, ridge you can on. go okay. up as well. I thought you were nuts for the volcano. Right? That's nothing. Um, in recent years, they have been large queues that were um, caused a lot of deaths too. Um, so after you get past that ice fall with the ladders, then um, there's usually like fixed lines, right? So it'll be a rope that's anchored in place by the Sherpas ahead of the time. Okay. So the climbers like clip themselves to it onto the rope right. with like a hand ascender. So basically they, it just goes up, it grips the rope and you pull yourself up. Right. So hand over hand. Um, but that means that the person ahead of you as fast as they can go is only as fast as you can go. Sure. Right. So, um, and then because of the weather, there's only like, you know, there might be a window of two or three days at maximum over an entire year. So the first good day, 
everybody is going up so that leads to literal cues as everyone is can only go as fast as that slow person the slowest person up in front of you right on those that ascender so that's yeah. most of the journey is going up like that oh, um I've seen those pictures and we will post mm -hmm. those with our promo that we do on TikTok and Facebook. We will post those pictures on the social media with the promo, but there are, it's like a line at fucking Disneyland of people just uh -huh. going yeah, up the mountain. I'm like, what is happening? So yeah. And when it, it's impossible for more than one person to climb at a time. So people are standing still, losing body heat, using up oxygen and becoming exhausted from lack of oxygen to the brain the entire time. Going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Just right. standing. Oh, God. Exactly. And these people pay a ton of money to do this, to hike it. Oh, it's... Yeah, it's not it's, just like, hey, I'm going to go hike this mountain. It's tens of thousands of dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because plus you have to be there for when the weather clears. You have to get permits. You have companies. You have all the... I mean, besides the... Licenses. All of, it. All of this mm -hmm. crazy Getting stuff. Getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So... In 2019, many climbers perished partly as a result of using up their oxygen and waiting in queues. Um, that was the busiest year on record, seeing over 820 people on the mountain with more than 200 making the final attempt from Camp 4 to the summit. Wow. Um, they have regulated it more um, in recent, you know, I think since that year. Yeah. Um, and well, they, and COVID yeah, hit right after down. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously... Um, I did read some stuff about the COVID um, because mm. Nepal was hit really badly. So, it, oh. you know, and if you get COVID, you're not going anywhere on a, that fucking mountain. So it really did derail a lot of people's trips. I mean, besides even if they were there. Could, and all the money that they had, I just can't even imagine. I can't imagine people that don't have a lot of money are doing this as a fucking hobby. I can't. I, mean, I can't maybe, either. but. Okay. <laughs> don't know how they're because most people with some Everest they've summited most of the um the elite mountains like what is it k2 and right mm -hmm. so this is like they're they're like they're they're doing all the big ones yeah yeah this is their um well i don't do anything grand and you know wild <laughs> so i have no idea to be like this is their this is their oscar movie or some i don't know right yeah Forget I said that. That was stupid. I regret everything. Go on. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about the more famous bodies that are up on the mountain. So we'll start with the green boots, our buddy. Our buddy. Let's um, go back to him. Right. So the identity of Mr. Green Boots was highly contested, but it's most widely believed that it is Sawang Paljur, who was an Indian climber, and he died in 1996. Yeah. So before the body's recent removal... Green Boots' body rested near a cave that all climbers must pass on their way to the peak. They removed the body his became... body? Mm-hmm. <gasps> That's great. Um, the body became a grim landmark used to gauge how close one is to the summit. So when he is famous for his green boots, and because according to one seasoned adventurer, about 80% of people also take a rest at the shelter where Green Boots is, and it's hard to miss the person lying there. Well, yeah. Right. So in 2006, another climber joined Green Boots in the cave, sitting arms around his knees in the corner forever. Uh, his name was David Sharp. Uh, um, he was attempting to summit Everest on his own, um, a feat which even the most advanced climbers would warn against. Um, he had stopped to rest in Green Boots' cave, as many had done before him. 
Over the course of several hours, he froze to death, his body stuck in a huddled position just feet from one of the most famous Everest bodies. My God. So, unlike Green Boots, who, however, who had likely gone unnoticed during his death due to the small amount of people hiking at that time, oh, at least the 90s, 40 yeah. people passed by Sharp that day, and not one of them stopped. But they thought, they thought that he was still alive, just chilling? Um, yeah, even people knew that he was... Um, dead and there wasn't they were trying to make their summit Uh, yeah and people didn't stop to help so his death actually sparked a moral debate about the culture of the Everest climbers because he had laid dying and there were eyewitness accounts that he was visibly alive and distressed and no one offered to help yeah so Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first man to ever summit the mountain, he criticized the climbers who had passed by Sharp, and it attributed it to the mind-numbing desire to reach the top. I, if you, I, <laughs> okay. So, quote, if you have someone who is in great need and you are still strong and energetic, then you have a duty, really, to give all you can to get the man down, and getting to the summit becomes very secondary, um, he told the New Zealand Herald. Um... I think the whole attitude towards climbing Mount Everest has become rather horrifying, he added. The people just want to get to the top. They don't give a damn for anybody else who might be in distress, and it doesn't impress me at all that they leave someone lying under a rock to die. So, the media termed this phenomenon summit fever, and it's happened more times than people realize. Um, People just, you know, leaving people. But in 1999, they found the oldest body that they found on Everest. It was George Mallory's body. And it was found 75 years after his 1924 death, after an unusually warm spring. So Mallory had attempted to be the first person to climb Everest, um, though he had disappeared before anyone found out if he had achieved his goal. And again, his body was found in 99. Um, His upper torso, half of his legs and his left arm are almost perfectly preserved. He was dressed in a tweed suit and surrounded by primitive climbing equipment and heavy oxygen bottles. A rope injury around his waist led those who found him to believe he had been roped to another climber when he fell from the side of a cliff. It's still unknown whether Mallory made it to the top, though of course the title of the first man to climb Everest has been attributed elsewhere. Though he may not have made it, rumors of Mallory's climb had swirled for years. He was a famous mountaineer at the time, and when asked why he wanted to climb the then unconquered mountain, he famously replied, because it's there. Yeah. One, one of the most horrifying sights on Mount Everest is the body of Hannelore Schmatz. In 1979, Schmatz became not only the first German citizen to perish on the mountain, but also the first woman. Um, she had actually reached her goal of summiting the mountain before ultimately succumbing to exhaustion on the way down. Despite her Sherpa's warning, she set up camp within the dead zo- the death zone. Oh, um, yeah, she managed to survive a snowstorm hitting overnight and made it almost the rest of the way down to camp before a lack of oxygen and frostbite resulted in her giving into exhaustion. No. She was only 330 feet from base camp. Oh, my God. Right. Her body remains on the mountain, extremely well-preserved due to the consistently below zero temperatures. She remained in plain view of the mountain's southern route, leaning against a long deteriorated backpack with her eyes open and her hair blowing in the wind until the 70 to 80 mile per hour winds either blew a covering of snow over her or pushed her off the mountain, 
Her final resting place is currently unknown. Yeah. Yeah, good times, good times. Mm-hmm. Um, the collage of pictures that I just put up, I'm going to put them up again, guys. Um, That's the, Yeah. In the, um, in the corner, right corner. So she's just kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. Um, very well preserved. And you can still see most of her clothing is still on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like resting backwards. Yes. Um, and the foot and the shoe here, that is of the, the gentleman from the twenties that you had mentioned. George Mallory. Mallory. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, up here at the top is just sort of another collection of photographs of individuals that, um, had perished on the mountain. The gentleman in the lower right corner, I'm not sure who he is, but the woman there above him is another famous climber that was, um, Okay, I have her next. Though. You do great. Okay, this this is a Laura's going to talk about this chick. Okay, so she was nicknamed Sleeping Beauty. Yes, um, after she got trapped in the death zone. So her name is Frances Arsentiev, and her husband Sergey sought to conquer Everest in 1998. Um, she wanted to become the first American woman to summit Everest without the use of supplemental oxygen. The couple eventually became separated. And on May 23rd, an Uzbek team found her half alive and unable to move. They carried her down as far as they could until their own oxygen ran out. And they were forced to leave her before descending to camp. Um, Sergei was never seen alive again. So the following day, the team returned to her, um, who was, and she was severely oxygen deprived, frostbitten, and still attached to her climbing line. She kept muttering, don't leave me here, don't leave me here to die. Oh, God. The team abandoned their attempt to summit and spent over an hour trying to save her. But between the perilous location and her slipping into unconsciousness and their own oxygen running out again, the team made the painful decision to leave her and return to camp. In 2007, Sleeping Beauty was dropped to a lower face where she would no longer be a summit marker for other climbers. Purposely or just Mm -hmm. by natural? they dumped her, yeah. And they do that a lot is that they'll kind of push them off the side. Yeah. So they're not just sitting there like on the way. Right. I mean, because I mean, I suppose, yeah. you know, they right in the this path guy, or whatever. <laughs> this guy is kind of crazy. So, um, okay. In 2001, French snowboarder Marco Savretti became the first person to successfully snowboard down Mount Everest using the North Coal Passage. He returned again in 2002 to ride down the mountain's steepest slope, the Hornbein Coulier. Okay. Um, he reached the summit in a grueling 12 hours with the aid of his Sherpa friend. Um, and as daylight was waning and clouds were blowing in, the Sherpas told him not to, des- not to make the descent, but he refused to pass up a chance to conquer Everest. And that was the last time he was seen alive. Goddamn. Um, as the Sherpas were packing up Camp 3, they noticed a figure rise and then slide down the mountain along the North Col. This was strange, as Freddy was nowhere near the North Col Passage, and he was the only known climber on Everest at that time of year. When the Sherpas, Sherpas investigated the area where they had seen the figure, they found no snowboarding tracks anywhere. <laughs> so that may be one it. of your guys. No, nah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Can you imagine fucking snowing? Like, that guy to me is like, I, I think he's just the craziest. 
Yeah. He's snowboarding down Mount Everest. Which I don't, I don't, what, (laughs) like, it's not a vertical, but I mean, it's pretty steep. Right. So I'll do a couple more um, because there, there are a lot. So there are a lot. Let's uh, show the final picture so we can get these guys through. All right. Oh, yeah. So in April 2015, um, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake rocked Nepal and caused an avalanche on Mount Everest. Among those who perished was Dan Friedenberg, the head of privacy for Google X. Um, He had scaled four of the seven summits. That's what I was talking about, the largest mountains. Right. Um, The practice mountains. And had even survived (laughs) a previous avalanche on Everest. But during the second avalanche, Friedenberg suffered major head trauma and succumbed to his injuries. Mm. Um, the other two Google employees on his team also sustained injuries, but were ultimately evacuated. Um, some theorists allege that Friedenberg and other Google employees had attempted to enable a street view trek to base camp, as well as bring a street view camera to the summer summit. Google did not respond to these claims, but later committed a million dollars to relief efforts. They wow. also attempted to supply updated satellite images to aid in recovery missions. Wow. Yeah, so they might have been trying to street view fucking... <laughs> the summit of Everest. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. I mean, so, that is crazy. And super crazy. Right. Um, some of the most famous deaths um, are that of Rob Paul and Scott Fisher um, because of their portrayal in the movie Everest. That movie... Yeah. Rob Paul was a guide in his own company, Adventure Consultants, uh, in 1996, there were many holdups on a busy day of ascents. Hall would reach the summit with a few clients and started to descend when he found another client, Doug Hansen. Hansen was struggling on his way up and had been told to abandon the attempt by a Sherpa, Sherpa on their team. However, Doug had been on a 1995 expedition with Rob and turned around only 300 meters from the summit. This time, he was determined to make it to the top. Yeah. So Rob and Doug headed up and did make it to the summit. However, the blizzard blizzard of 96 had started and weather conditions were horrific. Uh, Shortly after starting the descent, Hall radioed for help as Doug was now unconscious. Another company guide, Andy Harris, started up with oxygen to help them. Um, Nearly half a day later, Doug Hansen radioed to say, um, oh, I'm sorry. Andy had um, reached them, but had radioed to say that he had died. Doug had died. yeah, he died at around 8,690 8, meters. Um, his body was found just over a week later and is still in the mountains to this day. Crazy. That movie was horrific. And it was the first time that I had ever heard of the fact that there are still bodies on Mount Everest because mm-hmm. I thought, this is a movie. I can't. No way. No way. So and I watched it on a flight home from Jennifer's, mm-hmm. which was really stupid because here I am trying not to bawl hysterically on a plane. Um, and I'm like, no way are they leaving bodies up there on Mount Everest. And so, of course, the second we landed, I was like Googling it and turns out. But that movie was really quite phenomenal. If you guys haven't seen it, I recommend it. I I Just not on a crowded airplane. It doesn't look like a movie I would really want to watch it um, yeah, it's yeah i didn't yeah. know what it was about i was just like oh it's about a bunch of people trying to hike mount everest right oh it's way worse <laughs> <laughs> so scott fisher was also um portrayed in that film 
and he was another one of the main guides um, in that 1996 attempt that ended in disaster. Mm. Um, he led his mountain madness clients to the summit despite the holdups and the further problems faced. He had also exerted himself in the previous days by descending to help a friend who had fallen ill. So oh, by the right. time he re- he summited, he was suffering from exhaustion. On the descent, he sent a Sherpa ahead to get help instead of staying with him as he knew that he would hold him back. Mm-hmm. So two Sherpas came back to aid Fisher and another with oxygen, but unfortunately they couldn't get him down. Yeah. Um, a- another guide for Mountain Madness, Anatoly Bukrev, also came up to try and help but found Fisher dead. Um, he tried to move his body um, off the main path and cover him out of respect. God. So. That's Why your... would you do that? <laughs> right? Um, that's a big fucking advertisement for me staying home. Right? Well, okay. So, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this a little bit before we get into my part. Because I was like, I, I thought this was the Laura show. I was like, and we're done, guys. What'd you think? I'm like, oh, wait. I have <laughs> shit to amazing. say. <laughs> Um, you did a really good job, but let's for comparisons, how tall was the, like the volcano that you guys climbed versus ever, like how high um, up as far as like, what was the oxygen level at where you guys climbed up um, to? It was less, but we only climbed to like 13,000 feet. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's okay. not, you can feel it. Like, I mean, I can, t- I, I'll tell you that you definitely can tell yeah i've had mount- i've had altitude sickness before mm. um but when i was like in cusco in peru because it's just so high yeah and when you're staying there like your body is adjusting but you know you get the headaches you're kind of tired your sleep gets weird um, yeah it was kind of like was, that it even at um the stanley live. yeah so that's where yeah. people live like that's a livable um height height but, okay yeah and and even where I was on the mountain would have been a livable height, I think. But mm. um, it's just uh, everything gets much more difficult. The Can climbing, you imagine 26,000 feet? No. No. Mm-mm. And it's pay all that money. And for a, an expedition that you might actually die doing if nothing else you will come back with a little bit of brain damage <laughs> like what well and that's i, I mean i just don't have that that desire that i have i just i can't fathom i can't I have a lot of respect for these people just to, there's like K, the k2 and or k12 or whatever it is and then yeah. perina mm-hmm. um those are also just as dangerous as everest as far as like um percentage of people who don't make it Really? And they say those could even be like more dangerous just because of the the way that they are. That is insane. But, yeah, and and people I just... are. I mean, they're doing these mountains like it's a thing to get them. You know, to get them all or the like, collection. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, really, I just for bragging rights at this point. Like, I mean, to say you've done it, I guess. I mean, it's very ambitious. Sure, yeah. I would imagine people that actually have done it and are able to, you know, come home to their families and be able to say, hey, I summited Everest. That's very, that's a lot of esteem. That's something to be quite proud of. But the risk, I just, oh, God. Yeah, the risk reward doesn't work out for me Mm -mm. either. I'm like, I mean, not that Mm -mm. I'm in any kind of shape that I would be doing this. Dude. But I'm all. 
As I drink my Diet Coke, yes. Dude, my mom, this morning when we were talking about it, we were, I was like, oh, we're recording Mount Everest today. And I was getting the pictures all together. And mm. and she was like, oh, my God. And she's like, they just leave their bodies? I'm like, yes, because they just it's, it's dangerous to get them and it costs a lot of money. And sometimes where they fall, it's all crazy. And she was like, Carrie, promise me you are never going to want to hike Mount Everest. And I said, Mom, I barely like going up the stairs in the house. Right. You don't got to worry about me being like, guess what Laura and I are going to do next winter? Yeah, that's not happening. That is not happening, um, yeah. Yeah, I know, like, they will helicopter people into base camp so they can, like, get out and the lowest base camp. Yeah. So they can get out and check it out and, you know, whatever, be touristy about it. But, and you know, and a lot of people will climb just as far as that. And then, you know, that's the end of their. I didn't even want to hike with you when we went to Estes Park, when we went to the Stanley. I was like, right. you went and had brunch. And Bye. I <laughs> We're going to go have some brunch. Mimosas, Archie? Great. Let's do this. You have a good time. Don't die. Mm. We'll pick you up. Call us when you're done. True. True. No, I yeah. don't. Mm-mm. I don't it's... see you uh, signing up for that adventure anytime soon. I'm not, not about I mean, that life. Either. I just don't have that kind of um, will to conquer something. Yeah. The only thing I want to do is like conquer a nap. Like... <laughs> right a bath maybe (laughs) right that's kind of it this fucking mountain of laundry is big enough yeah i'm not i can't even get through that i'm not about that that life um but i i certainly do have you know a lot of respect for those that do because that is just not something i can even begin to relate to mentally at all i just can't seem to be yeah, the mental toughness you would have to have and yes. not just the physical training and everything else. Like, it's it's really, like, pure will. Hello. Yeah. Oh. Hi, Eddie. Oh. He's like, look at Body. my fluffy butt. He's like, I can make it. <laughs> I like to climb on things. Mm-hmm. I'm furry. Yes. All right. Well, wow. Thanks, Laura. That was really, really great job. You did phenomenal. I was really fascinated by everything you said like i said to the point that i forgot i have a part um what are we gonna talk about now what are we talking about now i can't remember um all of the things that carrie won't do because she's a total chicken shit uh no actually guys we um (laughs) they are uh this is history of a haunting podcast and so like i mentioned in the beginning there's going to be some ghosts up on Everest. So we are going to be right back. Please listen to this wonderful promotion uh, for our friend Aaron Bush's Reiki business. Laura and I have done Reiki sessions with Aaron, and we really love her. She is wonderful. It was awesome. Yeah, really was awesome. Um, and quite honestly, whether you believe in the power of Reiki or not, you cannot deny how calming and just chill you feel to listen to her just walk you through a meditation is really quite lovely. (laughs) When we were done, I was like, I gotta go to bed now. (laughs) She's just really phenomenal. So we will be right back as soon as um, we come back. We'll get into the ghosts of Mount Everest. Uh, Here is soul waves, spiritual wellness. If you've never heard of Reiki before, or have heard of it, but never tried it, now is your wonderful chance. Reiki is a Japanese complementary health approach using the goal of directing energy to help facilitate the person's own healing response. 
It's based on the belief in an energy that supports the body's innate or natural healing abilities. It has been used to help with relaxation, anxiety, pain management, depression, focus, and so much more. Erin Bush of Soul Waves Spiritual Wellness is a certified Reiki healer and brings her offerings to the listeners here at History of a Haunting. Erin channels the universal life source energy that connects us all to work its magic to kickstart your body's innate ability to heal. With a free initial consultation, a variety of options best suited for your personal needs, and all done over Zoom, contact Erin at Soul Waves Spiritual Wellness today at soulwaveseKB at gmail.com or call her at 904-438-4604. Soul Waves Spiritual Wellness. Take your power back and get started on your healing journey. That's soulwaveseKB at gmail.com or by phone at 904-438-4604. Okay. Let's talk about some ghosts. Um, <laughs> hang on a second. Where are my sources? There they are. Ranker.com and listverse.com are my sources for this episode. So um, bear with me, guys. I am out of contacts and um, I liked my eye makeup so much that I didn't want to hide it behind my glasses. So I had to enlarge the font on my script. Let's see if I can read it. Um <laughs> Hashtag old bitch problems. Yes. Hashtag this is what happens when a 45-year-old has a podcast. Um, So Mount Everest is plagued with supernatural phenomena, ghost sightings, and other explained occurrences, which who's surprised? Nobody. Yeah. Not after what I just said. (laughs) Seriously. And like you just said, rescue missions on the mountain are considered suicidal. Stranded hikers are sometimes left exposed to the elements so long that they don't survive. And like you had mentioned as well, the mountain is considered to be an open graveyard. Corpses are constantly abandoned or frozen in the snow. So it's no wonder that ghost sightings on Mount Everest are inevitable. It would almost be weirder if if there weren't any at all. Right. Yeah. So some of the scary tales about Mount Everest are obviously fake, but some have a ring of truth at such high altitudes. It is logical to explain some of these supernatural Everest hauntings as simple hallucinations. Um, A significant decrease in oxygen makes the brain conjure up some peculiar images. But what if there is some credence to these scary tales? What if there is something really haunting the Himalayan mountain. So some of the sightings that people have had, um, and not, I mean, interestingly, but also it makes sense is some of the Sherpas and the things that they have seen. Now, these Mm -hmm. are the folks that, you know, like you said, are the ones that are assisting the hikers and they're going up and down this mountain as for a living. Um, So, and they live at a higher altitude already to start. So, so they're acclimated. More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the Sherper, Sherpers, see here, you said, <laughs> <laughs> one of those handy dandy fellows <laughs> is what we'll call them. Because <laughs> we're American. One of the Sherpas from Nepal, uh, Pemba Dorje, I'm butchering that and I apologize, um, confessed to spotting black shadows during his 2004 ascent of Mount Everest. He said, quote, 
When I paused at a mound of rocks, I saw some spirits in the form of black shadows coming toward me, stretching their hands and begging for something to eat. I think those were the spirits of many mountaineers killed during and after their ascent of Mount Everest. The bodies of many of those who died are still on the mountain, and one climber who died from an accidental fall is still hanging from a rope. So as we all learned uh, from Laura's portion, Mount Everest is notorious for its corpses. People travel from all around the world to climb the Himalayan mountain, but not all of them survive the harsh conditions. There are avalanches, slippery slopes, and inclement temperatures that prove fatal. Unfortunately, many of the bodies continue to go unidentified. Um, in fact, in 2017, four bodies were discovered in a tent on an Everest base camp. Analysts believe the campers passed away due to altitude sickness. The creepy kicker, however, is that none of the local climbing agencies reported any climbers missing that year. Wow. Mm. So Mohan Singh, a resident of Bemini, is it Bemini? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A local, which is a, excuse me, a local Himalayan village reportedly encountered a strange man outside his home one day while chopping wood during the winter months of 2009. The sky had turned black and the stranger demanded to know why Singh was cutting the trees. Then he reached for Singh's shirt, but the stranger's fingers went right through his body, just like a ghost's fingers might. All throughout the, all through. All throughout the altercation, the stranger's body continuously changed sizes, growing up to nine feet tall and then suddenly shrinking to the height of a chicken. After escaping the strange man, Singh found himself with an intense fever. He believed the only way to resolve the fever was to slaughter a goat during a special exorcism ceremony arranged by a Hindu priest. Wow. Yeah. Now, in June of 1933, Frank Smythe suddenly sensed he wasn't alone as he descended from one of Everest's notorious death zones. During a break from the arduous journey, he encountered the presence of a man. Smythe divided his mint cake and attempted to share half of it with this phantom companion. Sometime later, Smythe discovered two dark, bulbous objects hovering above him. He described one of the objects as having squat, underdeveloped wings while the other possessed a beak-like protuberance like the spout of a tea kettle the inexplicable objects remained pulsating over him until eventually disappearing in a passing mist that's weird that is weird and that one i tend to think might have been a little hallucinating Mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking the same thing with that one yeah but i'm like you know help I mean, I know the mountain is considered holy too by the yes, um, Nepalese people. Right. Yes. Um, so now, in 1975, Dougal Haston, Haston, and Doug Scott claimed to sense a third climber aiding their survival during one particularly brutal night on Mount Everest. Haston and Scott were members of the first expedition successfully that had successfully climbed Everest using an uncharted path dumb yeah like you want to make it fucking harder right why are you why 
you know what? You know what they say about the path less traveled. Let's do that. <laughs> no, there are some situations where That's you fun. do not do that, guys. Um, however, their hiking method utilized finger holds, edges, and smears rather than normal crack climbing. Now, I don't know what any of those things are, but <laughs> it sounds like, you know, they're just sort of newfangled ways to do it. The ghostly mountaineer in this particular instance that the men encountered apparently provided extra company and encouragement. Haston and Scott claimed that the phantom climber helped them make it through the night. Oh, well, that's no, nice of them. That was nice. Mm-hmm. So here's another name that I am going to utterly butcher. Um, it is the name of an Indian army soldier. And um, India is one of our, is our number two country of listeners. And so guys, I apologize. Please don't abandon us for what I'm about to do. <laughs> Baba Harbajan Singh. Hey, maybe I did that not so bad. That wasn't too bad. Didn't that? There we go. Yes. So he was an Indian army soldier known as the hero of Nathula. He passed away in 1968 after slipping into a stream while escorting a mule in the Himalayas. His body was eventually recovered by a search party supposedly led by his own ghost. Singh entered soldiers' dreams and informed them of his death. He would also randomly appear on horseback, guiding the search party to his body. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that Singh's ghost still protects India's border against any impending attacks. Um, so back to these um, British mountaineers Dougal Haston and Doug Scott that were forced to spend a night in the death zone Mm-hmm. After reaching Everest Summit late in the day, um, they had dug a snow hole and huddled in for the night, unsure if they would survive until morning. They soon ran out of oxygen with no fu- feud, nope, no food, and their butane heater <laughs> nearing depletion. Their situation was truly dire. Then the inexplicable happened. And this is a little bit more of an elaboration on the guy that just randomly joined them. Mm-hmm. Um, they both reported feeling another presence in the snow cave with them, but which not only shared its vital body heat, but also he offered advice and suggestions to help the climbers stay warm and alive. Um, other Everest climbers, such as Peter Hillary, Lincoln Hall, Reinhold Messner, to name a few, have reported a similar presence having come to their aid on the mountain in their time of need. Wow. Yeah. So like friendly ghosts. Friendly like ghosts. Casper. Well, like Casper. Yes. <laughs> the Casper of Everest. <laughs> right. Um, so while there are the, the paranormal stories aren't very plentiful from Everest, it doesn't really surprise me that it would be haunted. Um, so that's kind of all I have for the ghosts, um, at least the ghosts that people are talking about on Mount Everest. I do want to say, however, that many Sherpas believe the ghosts of Everest will not be appeased or leave the mountain until the bodies of the deceased are given a proper burial. With so many corpses stuck in the dead zone, again, above 8,000 meters or 26,000 feet, and more joining them each year, it's unlikely that the mountain will be a ghost-free zone anytime soon. And that are the paranormal stories that folks are talking about to the press that you can find online. (laughs) (laughs) um of the ghosts of mount everest but what do you think laura are you surprised that there's ghosts up there i'm not 
I mean, I wouldn't be. It seems like yeah. these deaths are like really horrific, and a lot of people, yeah, like they know they're dying. I mean, mm. they're mountaineers. They know what they signed up for. They know what's happening. Sure, you know their body is slowly shutting down. Yeah, and they're it's it's a hopeless situation. You know, even like you have people yeah. even trying to help you, and they can't help you. Yeah, I mean, you have teams. You know, like um, uh, the Schmaltz Schmaltz woman. I may be, mm -hmm. yeah. be messing that up, but right. people tried to help her. Like mm -hmm. people gave up even trying to summit to help get her down. And, um, and they yeah. tried, you know, twice and they couldn't, they couldn't get her down. Yeah. Um, it's just not, and it's just know, not possible to I, help people. Yeah. I'll, yeah. And, and I think, um, I think in that movie Everest, I think there is a scene where when they're on their way up, they see a climber who is in distress and she's got i feel like like the the person had oxygen and they said we will come and check on you on our way back down but by the time they got back down and found her in a in a cave she was gone mm -hmm. um so that i'm sure like that that's what happened with that um david david guy is it sharp um, the guy that got yeah passed. yeah yeah sharp yeah it sounds like they probably pulled that story in there probably Probably, yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah. It, the movie is is really excellent. The actors, I think Josh Brolin is in it, and um, mm -hmm. there's another guy. I cannot remember. I can't remember his name. Yeah. He played, and I don't know if you've seen The Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio, but he played the mechanic. Um, who? Oh, I didn't watch that one either. <laughs> <laughs> the, I've seen he, the old one. Yeah. Well, so like yeah, yeah. This this actor played the mechanic whose wife was cheating on him with, you know, her husband, and um, he was in that, and he was in um Winchester about Sarah Winchester. He was in that movie. I can't remember. I swear to God, I the minute I hear his name, I'm going to be like, yes, that's right. He's a really wonderful actor. And he was in, he was in this too. And it was a, oh, a cool. really great, it was a really great film. Um, I wish I hadn't watched it for the first time on an airplane. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I cry at stuff we talk about on this podcast. So I, yeah, I was bawling my eyes out and trying to like be really quiet. Cause of course it was like a red eye flight and everybody's mm -hmm. sleeping and I didn't want to be like, you know, anyway, I recommend it. Everest, check it out. Um, nice. Yeah. So that is that. I don't have any um, strange history tonight, guys. And I really need to get back on that because it was popular and folks folks like the goofy little strange history. So I need to get back on that. Um, well, and now we're doing it like just about every Monday, too. So mm -hmm. they're not without completely. They're, we're, they're not completely without. We didn't without. leave them hanging. We didn't leave them hanging. I mean, You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, do you have I anything am, to close the show? I'm just oh. really fascinated by this whole story. Mm -hmm. Like all the bodies and I am um, too. I think part of it that's so fascinating is how well they are preserved. So when you see them, it looks like it literally is just like they just laid down. Like green boots. And, you know, and yeah. I think that's great that they have recovered his body because he's been up there for well decades, but I had I had not heard that they had recovered. I don't know that they recovered, they moved him. Oh, oh! Some I of them they, they will. Have... They'll like pile rocks up around them to kind of shield mm -hmm. them from view. Yeah, they'll cover people with. Like, I think flags. they did that with David Sharp. They kind of hit yeah, him. Yeah, he was like in further in the cave. Yeah. Um, I know. And then, like I said before, a lot of times they'll kind of push him off the side. 
correct. So they go out of the way where they're not seen by the hikers. The constant stream of like yeah, people yeah. when people go up. Um the climbers and yeah and stuff. But yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. It's just a it's it's I don't know. It's inter- very interesting to me. And it, it is the the fact that people want to do this. And I think And pay last... so much money to do it. Oh yeah, so much. And um, I think about I think right now it was averaging about four recently, like four deaths a year. Mm. So I mean that's, that's not too you know, too bad. Like but a then also avalanche or a blizzard like there has been in previous years where then, you know, your death toll spikes tremendously. Right. Um, but then you also, I wonder like statistically, like what are the amount of climbers that are trying to go up to trying to summit that just don't actually like, how far do they get? Do they get halfway up? Do they even get to the death zone before they're like, I can't do this. This was dumb. And they come back down. Like, I wonder how many of, I think there's a lot. It's the main, right. um, it's the, one of the main sources of income for Nepal are these people hiking Mm -hmm. Everest. And, oh, that was the other thing, too. We were, my mom and I were looking up how much a Sherpa gets paid. And on the one face of it, the Sherpas get paid $6,000 per trip. But on the mm-hmm. other side, the North, what did you call it? The North Call? That mm-hmm. those get paid like five or six times more. Those Sherpas get paid five or six times because it's more dangerous. Right. So that makes sense, which is still not well, anywhere near enough fucking money. Of, <laughs> there's a lot of trekking in Nepal that's not just Everest, too. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of trekking trips. Um, I've actually looked at doing them. Doing of course, one. you're not on Everest. It has nothing not, not good like that. Good, like where you go through like the villages and stuff. Like that. Oh, that's cool though. See yeah. the monasteries and stuff. Yeah. I mean, because they did build a monastery on Everest, but it's obviously way lower. Right, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's this was a good one. I really did like it. Um, we have never actually showed uh, a complete dead human body, so I did want to put that content warning up. Um, yes, Ed Gein did have some graphic stuff, but that was small, little. <laughs> it's just a wee nipple belt. It's just a wee nipple belt <laughs> and just a wee nipple chair and a teeny little skull bowl um but these were actual like dead bodies complete yeah people complete yeah dead bodies Mm -hmm. um so yeah uh that's all i have uh do you want to tell folks where they can follow us sure you can follow us on the instagram the facebook and the twitter at hoh podcast we and on the TikTok at HOAH Podcast, at HOAH Carrie, and at HOAH co-host Laura. Yes. That's it for us, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We certainly do appreciate it. Um, and if you stuck with us through the entire YouTube episode, then good on you. And uh, all I have to say, really, um, is may all of those souls uh, rest in peace that are still on Everest. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all I've got. Uh, Laura, tell them. They got to stay safe out there because they never know who or what is listening or trying to get you to hike a mountain of any sort, Laura. (laughs) I give up now. I won't try again. Thank God. (laughs) After this tale, I'm like, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe less. Maybe less of that. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Um, Maybe this taught you a tiny lesson. That night, I also just complained earlier about how I don't even like walking up the stairs to my room. <laughs> but that's Fair. because I'm 
need to lose some weight. And I'm lazy <laughs> and I'd like to drink wine. There are factors. There are factors. There's <laughs> things happening um, under the surface. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, bye guys. We love you. We hope you have a really wonderful week. We will be bringing you another weird story next Monday morning. And um, if we find more, then maybe you'll get a story every Monday morning. But um, so far, they're really popular and we are enjoying telling them to you. So, yeah, we're having a great time. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye guys. We love you. Laura, I love you. And I will talk to you in about five minutes when I text you. All right. Love you too. Bye. (laughs) Bye.